Welcome back, friends, nerds, librarians, and all you elk to episode 56 of the SS Librarianship Podcast. And today, unlike, you know, always, it is all librarians (laughs) all the time. Well, yeah. (laughs) Um, we watched The Librarians. Interesting. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> okay. We got some sushi and some beer and a couple of good friends with interesting yep. things to say. And we bring you that conversation <laughs> in this episode. Um, so, joining us are uh, Adina Bronze, who has yep. been on the show before and is very lovely. Yep. And she's giving us the kind of fellow librarian slash archivist perspective because she's got that yeah. background as well. And uh, and also joining us is Catherine Monick, or Cat as we like to call her, mm-hmm. and um, she brings a little bit of the like art history and architecture background, and also the sort of perspective of like not being a librarian but mm-hmm. being a researcher and yeah. seeing how librarians are portrayed. So yep. it's uh, it's one big giant bibliophiles yeah. for you this week. <laughs> I think this is only the second time we've ever done it, but uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 pretty good. I don't know <laughs> the show the show it needs help, but. You can hear all about it in the next, you know, hour or so. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's an interesting portrayal of librarians. It yeah. was something that, you know, prompted us to talk about it. But yeah. it's, uh, it's, yeah, it, it could be better. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess without further ado, then, let's get that commentary started. Uh, I'm Allie Sullivan, and that's a great anecdote. You should write it down in your journal. Then your kids can read about it when you're dead. <laughs> and I'm Sam Mills, and... Why did it take me so long to realize this? There are no consequences to my actions anymore. No matter what I do, nothing bad can happen to me. I am like a white male U.S. senator. (laughs) Welcome to (laughs) an edition. I want to say another edition, but it's been so long. um, Of Bibliophiles. The Bibliophiles. (laughs) We discuss representations of librarians and libraries in popular culture and uh we just had a singular experience yeah we watched the first two episodes i guess the first episode because it was a two-parter yeah of the librarians yeah so let's 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 all take a breath take a sip of our beverages (laughs) and let's see if we can get through this um so the setup i guess Mm. is it's Based off of the old librarian TV movies that Noah yeah. Wiley used to do in the like er, late nineties, early two thousands. Nobody we'll knows. put links to the Wikipedia pages and the I'm thing sure. after. Um, and uh, and the idea is Wiley is the librarian who is mm-hmm. this sort of singular figure chosen by the library. It's magical. This repo- magical repository of magic and relics and yeah. whatnot. Lots of books, but they don't really get used. <laughs> he's, kind of like a, he's kind of like a strange combination of Indiana Jones and the Doctor. Yeah. Which is what I kept referring to when we yeah. were watching his, it. When he, his first appearance, I think you, you commented on it right away, that he seemed so much like the Doctor. He sort yeah. of pops up out of nowhere and is after this relic and knows everything about everything in and the like situation. And like the patter, you yeah. know, knowing everything. And, and the mm-hmm. dis- like disheveledness and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and so uh, it's built to be kind of an ensemble show, and so right away he gets a guardian. Which, mm-hmm. being a big Buffy fan, I'm like, that's like a watcher. <laughs> Only I guess a little more violent. Yes. <laughs> um, in the person of uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the person of uh, Rebecca Romaine, who's like a colonel in uh, what did she say, NATO? Yeah. I don't know. It was some kind of like I, nefarious world government organization. But it was, it was, it was like counterterrorism, I think. Yeah. 
It was unclear. She's working with Germans, apparently. Yeah, she runs into him. She goes home and babbling to her commanders about this crazy librarian that she met and gets put on leave for a month just in time to get a magical letter inviting Mm. her to a position at the library. (laughs) In a magical white envelope, which is looked at as if... No one in this world has ever seen a white envelope before. I know, before. when you think of envelopes, they come in so many other colors. But not <laughs> white, really. apparently. I think my favorite part was that like the letters glowed, and the, the voice was like, that was the first sort of, okay, they are drawing on some librarian stereotypes in this for me. Yeah. It was the little voice that read out the words about being invited to the Metropolitan <laughs> Library was so like... That typical sort of soft, like, librarian voice you would expect when you call the information line. Mm. (laughs) All right, so where do we want to start with this show? Hmm. Hard to say. Yeah, well, I mean, the first episode introduces all the characters who are sort of an interesting bunch, right? Mm -hmm. And it sort of becomes like Wiley and Romaine are, are off to collect the rest of them. Right. And they have this sort of built in thing where, like, there were a whole bunch of people who were called in to interview for this supposedly normal librarian job 10 years ago or whatever. Is this sort of like a typical representation of the hiring to positions of like the people looking for positions to position (laughs) ratio in librarianship? You know, there's one librarian position and 300 people who are called to interview or whatever it was. That and then the librarian that Jane Curtin plays who wears sneakers with her suit are the two most accurate things. (laughs) But, you know, no one actually checks the job posting board. They're all in every, in, in real library world. There's no job posting boards, normal things like that. If they're, if you're getting invited to an interview, they do send you a glowing envelope. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, I've, uh, I've received mine. several. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're doing well. You're not even quite done yet. <laughs> um, yeah, and so the the applicants from back then mm-hmm. um, are being like tracked down and murdered by the Serpent Brotherhood. Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah, which I didn't really understand. Why were they killing the librarian interviewees? I think it's like a whole again. I mean, this is my frame of reference, but I think it's like a potential slayers thing, where like the more you kill the potentials, the less likely they're you're gonna have to like deal with another librarian if you kill the librarian. I don't know. Because there's only one librarian at a time, right? I suppose. Well, well, and wasn't there something where collectively they could figure out where the stuff was? Yeah, I mean, maybe they, they were, were like for? hedging their bets against Noah Wiley's librarian character wanting to maybe. work with others. What was your sense of it? I don't know. It was sort of a weak link in the yeah. plot. It was not really explained. Um, although with the sort of turncoat aspect I suppose if they had her in the hole prior to them picking her up maybe killing the other ones was to get her inside oh possibly maybe. you're talking about the one with the uh, the synesthete yeah. say that ten times fast <laughs> yeah. so as it turns out I guess three people didn't show up for the interview that day Yeah. and so they never signed in and so the brotherhood doesn't have their names so okay. they're I guess the last remaining ones was the sense I got like everyone else has been murdered, but like there's no no new just ones? the top 12. yeah and yeah yeah and in the past ten years since this interview process, no one knew is developed the skills to be the librarian yeah. or something. Well, I guess well they might be out there, but like they didn't get the initial right. They still weren't on the list. The whole like sort of it's 
it's interesting because it's not like in Buffy where you're just sort of born as the Slayer. Mm -hmm. Instead, the library chooses you and sends out these letters, which is something I found really interesting about, like, just about the mythology that there are so many sort of sentient objects. The library is meant to be sentient. Excalibur is a sentient character. Cow! (laughs) So they, so Rebecca Romaine's character and Rowan's character. (laughs) Go off in search of these three candidates. Yeah. Yeah. One of whom is a thief. One of whom is like a secretly brilliant oil rigger. Yeah. Who publishes art history papers under yeah. an assumed name. You know, this, if you've actually watched Leverage all the way through, it's very Leverage-esque. I think it might be the same, like the same channel, same studio put it on maybe. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, because in, in, in Leverage, it is an, an ensemble cast. You've got a hitter. You've got a thief. You've got a hacker. Although I guess in this one, the thief and the hacker are one. And then you've got um, thief, hacker, hitter. And you've got the, the brains. You've also got an mm. actor, like a, like a grifter. So it was really, well, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I haven't seen Leverage, but I would imagine that, like, the content of, of their plans and what they do is probably more unpacked in Leverage. I feel like this show leans a little on the whole... Magic. Magic, 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 <laughs> yeah. magic. Which is kind of neat. Like, the idea is there's magic and there's not that much of it left and most of it's locked in artifacts and so the, the whole deal with the librarian is he goes out and saves the artifacts and puts them away and then no one ever does anything with them again. Because that's what libraries are for. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, let's talk about the library so and how it's not a library. Let's talk about yeah. that aspect of it. And let's ask Adina <laughs> about yeah. this because it really does kind of feel like an archive, right? I mean, a museum slash archive? A museum slash archive, maybe. I mean, visually, it's full of books, which then you think library. That aren't um, put away properly. Definitely not. Oh, my God, yeah, those terrible. Were, yeah. They abuse Really books. good set dressing, but painful to look at. Yeah. <laughs> and it's full of artifacts. So in that way, it's actually nothing like an archive, which would be full of beautiful Hollinger boxes all neatly labeled. Mm, yeah. Um, but some of the things they do, they seem to rely a lot more on records than they mm-hmm. do on, like, quote unquote published material mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it's a lot more about finding the register and finding the you know the record of this and that and the other thing mm-hmm. yeah uh, up in like then then finding the knowledge that is contained within the books yeah yeah, in, yeah. and in that sense i guess it's a bit more archival i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that the people who wrote this show did not read Ranganathan. <laughs> I'm just gonna. Sorry, there's a library. <laughs> Every <laughs> artifact, it's evil bearer. Yeah. <laughs> Which kind of brings us to like the bad guys, right? Because at the head of the group of bad guys, which was like super delightful until he opened his mouth and then it was just distracting, is <laughs> Matt Frewer yeah. doing a really bad British accent. Yeah. He's, he's one of those like extraordinary Canadian actors who's in so much stuff and he's He's like, he looks a little bit like Jim Carrey, but he's not Jim Carrey, I always find. I don't know. Let's play my favorite game. If Jim Carrey and a skeleton had a baby, (laughs) you would get Matt Frewer. He's not looking that great these days. I thought he sort of looked like John Malkovich. Mm -hmm. Oh, that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Malkovich got me on that, actually, also. (laughs) And then I guess sort of at the other end of the, like... (laughs) (laughs) And then I guess at the other end of the spectrum is Lara Kett, right? Yeah. <laughs> Playing like the character that John Larroquette always plays. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, he didn't come in until the second one. Okay, so that's we true, can talk. I want to talk more about the library yeah. and like. So. Yeah, there there doesn't seem to be any kind of organizational scheme going on. There's a card catalog in the annex that can magically pull up any book from the library, but you. Mm-hmm. So that's they, a pretty they, sweet retrieval system. Yeah, yeah, it's like magical ASRS is what Kat was saying. Right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. But it also seemed to me, but when he said he's like, oh, it's in this shelf on this row. And I'm just like, that's not, it didn't have a call number, man. Yeah. Like how much research do you think they did? Like less than none? Well, not even a research. Have you been to a library? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I don't think that the object's book or otherwise are meant to be accessed by anyone other than the librarian. Mm-hmm. If it was, they do the pan through when you, the characters first walk in and the library looks like a maze. This has obviously mm-hmm. not been designed for ease of access. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to say the least. I don't know. Have you ever been in Kerner Library? <laughs> well, yeah, and it's a very sort of pre-1950s, I guess, like pre-1950s, 1960s sort of I feel like the idea of what a library is and what librarians do in this is very much based on the the time in which the librarian would like talk to you about what you need and then go get the stuff for you because they know exactly where it is. And I guess the impression that these writers got is that like they don't use a retrieval system for that. They just know where everything is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's all up here, baby. Yeah. yeah, it's also very much about like the librarian and then the sort of trainee librarians um, know everything mm-hmm. rather than like have access to everything. They just they just are, yeah. They just know everything. They're kind of geniuses in that way, mm-hmm. which is a very kind of a very sort of ingrained I think vision of the librarian still in pop culture. Desk set is, is Catherine the, yeah. Hepburn. Yeah, is that Catherine the, Hepburn. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Um, is that yeah the the knowing everything rather than the finding everything aspect of it? Well, and it's very elite idea of like knowledge and the dispersal of knowledge these things aren't meant for the average person who couldn't know what to do with them or know enough to even look for them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you're right which is sort of the opposite of how we like to present ourselves now especially in public libraries yeah in fact they're (laughs) protected from the every person yeah Mm. Yeah, there's yeah. some really literal stuff in this about sort of protecting these artifacts from... Keeping them away from people. Yeah. Hiding the library in a pocket dimension. But it's always about protecting the artifacts and never about protecting the knowledge. They never really talk about the knowledge that is contained in this mm-hmm. library. Yeah, he bit. was being pretty cavalier with that first edition Einstein paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on the floor, paging through it while he was bleeding from the gut. <laughs> yeah, it was more about name-dropping of these manuscripts <laughs> mm-hmm. that are thought to be lost or... Or, or just made up for the purpose of the thing, you know. Yeah. Um, that, uh, oh, they have access to this deep sort of forgotten knowledge, but it's not about sharing the knowledge or making it easy to access for other people. Which is actually a very archival stereotype, is like mm-hmm. musty, dark, lost, you know, like mm-hmm. um, had a few classes talk sort of about uh, archives in pop culture and, of course, terrible representation not what they're really like etc etc but a lot of it is sort of like discovering things in the in the lost archives you know and that Mm -hmm. people don't really know what's back there Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. it's much more romantic where they're just yes as opposed to like no no we know where it is finding it it's not romantic (laughs) um but but that idea of of sort of um being closed being protected being secret 
that's a very archival stereotype for sure. Mm-hmm, you could yeah. actually sort of picture a future version of this with uh, Chris Pratt, um, Indiana <laughs> Jones, you know, fighting with the librarian. This belongs in a museum. No, it belongs <laughs> in the library. <laughs> Hide this away. <laughs> well, Dina, I loved your comment partway through about like, um, whether Larroquette was was gonna finally be like sort of an archivist or a museum director mm-hmm. or something, and and it would be so neat to have this sort of team of heritage professionals, <laughs> the curator, the archivist, the librarian. They could be like the Justice League or something. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and I mean, in a sense, I don't know. They're not doing it that way because I guess they see that way as being boring or pigeonholing or whatever. But they mm-hmm. do have these characters with these very specific sets of skills. Mm-hmm. At least one of whom has a set of skills that you would find in a heritage professional. Right? Right? Like, Christian yeah, one Gaines of character has the whole mm. art history angle. Yeah, well, he's got five PhDs, speaks four languages, <laughs> and he was not candidate enough to be the librarian. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we can talk a little bit about like the you know the what are they using calling them the LITs, the oh librarians in training, which is mm. like. So what, you're going to, like, send them to an iSchool now, or...? They have their own private iSchool with John Larroquette in that little room. <sighs> their yeah, magical and they're auto-updating book of newspaper clippings, oh yeah. which magically, yeah. they magically appear in this book every day. Yeah, it's called press display. It, it takes out all the work. <laughs> VPL uh, joke. Um, uh, other people oh, have press easy display. plot production. Yeah, this is yeah, the thing that you're going to deal easy. with. This and I think that's the thing that the whole the the thing that is most of what we do all day long, which is research in one form or another, is the thing they don't want to really spend any time doing on the show because there's yeah. only so many like montages of people googling things that you can do and keep them exciting, right? Well, like, it's like it's like the the technology montages in CSI, right? The bloop 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 yeah. bloop bloop bloop. I'd like to see one of those with like Google and the card catalog and like you know looking up old (laughs) but also just like roaming along the shelves and pulling a book down and rifling through it frantically and putting it back and pulling down another Mm -hmm. one like there's these montages in other things Giles style well no not in this not in this show because he was just kind of pulling books off the shelves all maybe they magically reshelve that would put people Mm -hmm. in a job Mm -hmm. though there's, he's the only one. He's the only librarian. They didn't say he was the only shelver. <laughs> well, they, they don't have library like, techs running around. Librarian with a capital L, oh. right? Like the, the oh, Metropolitan again, Library upstairs. You know, trust anybody less than the librarian yeah. with this knowledge, which mm. is why none of the books are properly shelved. See, which, yes, oh, I was just going to make a bad joke, but where they've like connected these these first two episodes to to the whole King Arthur legend with Excalibur and the Sword and the Stone and the Crown and etc. Um, so maybe he shouldn't have called them librarians in training. Maybe he should have called them pages. Interesting. Oh, but, that would have um, been so much yeah, better. I like it. I like it. I don't it. know. I think I might want to start calling you guys librarettes or whatever. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I think he started with librarianettes and ended with lits. Neither of them were good. No. Pages would have been great because you've got the book angle. You've got the art angle. Yeah. Adina, yeah. I think we should write a letter to TNT. I think you should be writing on this show. <laughs> I need to just wreck on this first season. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and all of that sort of all of this knowledge only being held by the one librarian and whatever sort of raises the, the also interesting issue of the character of Charlene, right? Who I think we all really enjoy. Yeah, Jane Curtin is just the best. <laughs> and so she's she seems to be, like, 
a higher up of some kind in the Metropolitan Library itself, like the library that's at street level that is an actual library. Mm -hmm. And she knows about the librarian and supports him and seems to give him some sort of budgetary considerations, which is so great. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it sort of raises the question of what, what is her role? How much does she know? How much has she has she participated in these adventures? Well, before? she's clearly part of the whole magic thing, yeah. but um, but yeah, but we were just saying we're like okay, so she's the only one in this show who is a like viable librarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she reminds me of like every library manager I've ever met. Yeah, <laughs> like the glasses and the the stylish glasses and yeah, the and practical the haircut. haircut and the suit with the and the attitude with the shoes and the yeah. attitude and the like concern you know, about cons- budgetary practices <laughs> benefits and packages. benefits packages. <laughs> But also a real respect for the work itself, right? Yeah. It's really, yeah. Yeah, so she seemed to be, yeah, she was the only one who I, I bought. Because <laughs> otherwise you just have, what was it, Bob Newhart in a mirror. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay. Well, and he was really there more to be a father figure as they made painfully obvious. Oh, God. The, yeah. the, the, oh, the writing. Or lack thereof. I never had a father. I never had a son. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> some George Lucas quality writing right there. Word. Oh, God. Oh, man. Yeah, this is not, this is not a well-constructed show. <laughs> <laughs> that said, I mean, the, the bits where everyone's sort of using their specific sets of skills were pretty fun, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. the, the, so there's, there's a very young, there's two very young characters who seem like they would have been way too young to be librarian candidates 10, ten years, years ago, ago, but I guess are extremely brilliant. Mm-hmm. And one is uh, an Asian-Australian thief. Yep. <laughs> two FBI files. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I couldn't miss that part. Like, regular one and the secret one. <laughs> yeah. Secret FBI. <laughs> And uh, and the other is this, like, sweet, quiet, red-haired janitor who is, like, a secret genius, but all of her senses are cross-wired in her brain. Who also in some ways really fits the librarian stereotype. You know, Mm -hmm. she wears these sort of cute print dresses with cardigans and like her look is very, yeah, Mm -hmm. sort of stereotype modern female librarian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They didn't didn't give her big old glasses, which they could have, but like, but yeah, you know, she's got the, the, the pale and she looks kind of frail and yeah, I can definitely see it. And she's definitely, I mean, there's bits of, um, of Noah Wiley's character that are very Sherlocky, but I feel yeah. like mm-hmm. she's also bringing in that sort of that angle of all of these shows that are really popular in the oh, last yeah, decade the, the or so. Mind of this sort of, yeah, I actually really the numbers the... type of like you know you see you visually see all these equations and everything floating around her head as she's figuring things out. Yeah, that was like the only. They don't adhere to their own rules though. She's very specific about the type, the like where her senses were crossed mm-hmm. and how they appear to her and things like that and numbers and colors were mixed mm. you don't see mm-hmm. that but that was like one of the only because the, the the cgi graphics on this show oh some of them are bad but that was the only one that i really liked was the way some. that they well the only one i liked was the way that they kind of did have the numbers flying around her head especially there's one part where she's trying to figure out some like planetary movements since they actually have her like drawing the things in the sky i thought that mm-hmm. was kind of neat that was pretty cool yeah she also uses a tablet like motion to flick through ideas yeah, yeah. and dismiss them <laughs> very low budget very modern yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was when they were at the hinge <laughs> With those very realistic rocks. Because the whole whole plot of this two-parter, I guess, hinges hinges, on the whole, like, um, Arthur as a Roman 
type of yeah is that is that natural theory it's a theory yeah okay fair enough but like my question about that henge particularly is how is that not like a tourist attraction it's in the middle of the black forest but yeah it's in the middle of like a giant ass clearing well that part actually sort of made sense to me in the sense of like there are a lot of those things all over the British Isles giant button that you press that was in Germany the black forest is in Germany okay yeah because I'm just I'm just thinking I've been to one of those before that like yes is a tourist attraction but is quite quiet compared to Stonehenge Mm -hmm. so I don't know but yeah it was it was very polystyrene and oh yeah push a button and then the (laughs) panel falls off and there's a metal um, I think that was the one moment that we all sort of equally enjoyed when it happened was the like they figured out all the stuff and then they just like tapped the panel on the outside of them when it popped off Kat I well, think you visited her you went what? <laughs> was it, it was the, the like we've given up trying moment of, yeah like, we're, I mean there was not a lot of you know we're taking ourselves seriously you must take us seriously so you know you're not taking it too seriously but that was just the like sharks will be jumped Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, considering they like find the crown of Arthur and uh, participate in things and like interact with like a sentient sword, Excalibur. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the sharks jumped, yeah. <laughs> but can you jump a shark? Isn't that just setting precedent though? Mm hmm. Because, like, you can't jump a shark in the first episode. Well, what's interesting about that though, and we were, some of us were commenting on this, is the fact that, like, there's certain stuff in the show that's really cheesy, but that you're supposed to be taking at face value, like the panel coming off of the hinge. Mm-hmm. But then there's certain stuff where, like, you know, Rebecca Romaine says at one point something about, you know, having to, like, stop magic from re-entering the world. And then she sort of stops and looks at the rest of them and goes, I can't believe I just said that with a straight face. Yeah. Like, they, some of it, they are poking at themselves. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, lampshading is a good term for it. Yeah. Because I feel like in some ways that's not them being clever or cute. That's them kind of covering their asses. Yeah. Mm. Well, at least being somewhat self-aware. Yeah. What they're producing and what it... What was kind of weird, though, was... So, um, what was the what was his face who was the oil rig working genius? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Christian. So he's a genius, right? He's stone. He knows right? his, all yeah. his art history and... And et cetera, et cetera. And he gives them a bit of help with the painting of the crown. Mm-hmm. Not that much, really. Yeah. Um, and then everything else that they get him to do in the two episodes is either beat people up or use his, like, engineering know-how to, like, you know, well, weld does, something. Yeah, or wires or whatever. Yeah. yeah, he does He does have, a, like, a discussion about art history with some pretentious British yeah, but so that was of his own Palace. accord yeah, <laughs> when he was true. supposed to be doing other things. Yeah. yeah, no, I think you're right. I think Christian Kane is is, uh, is maybe 60% there as eye candy, which is fine by me. I mean, maybe he'll <laughs> be, his art history know-how will be used more in future mm-hmm. episodes. I mean, this is based on two, so. Yeah, yeah, and this one was very heavy on the, like, puzzle solving, which I guess gave... Um, I'm forgetting all of their names already, which I guess gave the, the girl with, with the synesthesia more to do. Is it which Quinn? Mm. No, I'm thinking because the main character's name is Flynn. We'll link to all of this. Sure, sure. <laughs> but I, I think the other disappointing thing with giving him so little to do, like in terms of like academics or whatever, is that they're also taking away from the only person there who's meant to be Marshall, you know, in her role. Yeah. Um, and you know, by sort of like, let's let the big guy from the oil rig deal with it. Cause obviously he must be down to fight all the time. 
Yeah, and it's probably also one of those things of it's like, okay, if you have male henchman antagonist coming, like, girl can beat up him, but he can't beat up her. So if you want to see someone getting hit by a man, it's going to have to be a male character. Just because of our, you know, squeamishness. I guess. I feel but like there were some moments where she got into that's a way of keen in that someone's night. evil is that they're willing to hit the girl. That's oh, gosh. Yeah. That's one of the best things about Guardian of the Galaxy, my... Right. Is, yeah. is the fight between Chris Pratt and uh, Zoe Saldana. Yes, thank you. Um, is that he was just like, and he hit her. And you're just like, you never see you hear her do that. Yeah. Well, and that's that brings maybe an interesting part of this up too, which is the gender roles involved in this were actually really interesting to me. Like you have, mm-hmm. you have almost this reversal where sort of the like, more cerebral, more sensitive role is, is is Flynn as the librarian, and the more physical sort of military role is is Rebecca Romaine's character. Although I feel like he still fits into a pretty standard male archetype mm. character of the kind yeah. of roguish, um, yeah, you know, running around. And he does give a lot of orders and run around a lot. People yeah. full of himself, kind and of one, sword sword fight. Fight. one man wolf. army kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Like he's not he's not the the muscle, quote unquote, but you know he's he's, but a, he's just the a brain, different... which is also sort of a male area traditionally. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But having the guardian Rebecca Romaine be female, I mean, that's I guess a little bit different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and having the math genius be a woman is interesting too. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you still don't see and that the art history genius these... being a like burly dude. Yeah. Yeah, that is actually probably of all the typologies that breaks the mold is probably the biggest mm-hmm. one. Yeah, and um, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's weird to begin with, just numbers wise, that the librarian is a dude. And I guess mm. once you have that, then you have to balance it with. But if we're going with a pre 1950s conception of the library. Yeah. Yeah. Then he's going to send his little <laughs> librarianettes out to do the, you know, public service work like Dewey and his skirted ladies. <laughs> Dewey. <laughs> Missing that one. Dewey was a creep. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> there are there are some theories that the reason why um, librarianship is such a female dominated uh, field in uh, in North America and you know the U.S. especially is because Melville Dewey started the first library school because he wanted to have his pick of you know available single women cute hanging around him who are smart enough to carry on a conversation kind of yeah he he was gross he was he was so, very gross charming yeah so uh, the an extremely we... tenuous grasp of english spelling yeah that too i thought that was deliberate oh it was oh, yeah. but god it was terrible <laughs> he was an advocate of the phonetic spelling mm, movement mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. It is very. It does fit in with that pre 1950s thing of sort of the authority figures. Well, I mean, do you want to tell your joke again? Mm. You may have already told this joke on the podcast before, but I was telling Sam earlier. Well, what is what do dead fish and men in librarianship have in common? They float to the top. There you go. Yeah, which I think is less of a problem <laughs> these days. I mean, yeah. we both work for libraries where the head librarian is a woman, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but. Yeah, this definitely reflects that in an yeah. interesting way. It's a bad joke, but... Mm-hmm. What else <laughs> we got in our notes? We took some notes. <laughs> well, the library school aspect of it was kind of cute at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we all made the comment that, like, actually, 
that was sort of, uh, to me anyway, that was sort of a realistic thing too, in that they're going to be like studying under John Larroquette's character, and I guess kind of Noah Wiley's character, but also getting practical hands-on experience at the same time. It's very modern 21st century library school. Well, yeah. And changing the world a little bit every day. Yeah. <laughs> or saving nice. the world, something like that. Saving the world. Yeah, <laughs> twice before Friday, I think he said. <laughs> I think it was the magic, though, that he was most concerned about them being prepared for. Yeah. I mean, not really the ref desk, but <laughs> different set of skills. Given that they don't get any reference questions because nobody knows it's exi- it exists. Yeah, nor do they actually want anything from the library. Yeah, Larroquette's whole, like, he's not a librarian, he's a researcher, and he's just kind of hanging around in the annex to the library doing research all the time was a little sort of, what about all the other researchers who want to access this information? Yeah, it's like what makes him the fucking special snowflake researcher. I wonder if that'll come up in future episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Kat's making a face because she's the researcher at the table as opposed to being a librarian. No, and you've seen the last five minutes of a different episode, I've seen the last five minutes of a future episode, which (laughs) sort of puts him in a specific sort of canonical place that... Um, interesting. May or may not actually be interesting. May or may not actually answer that question. Oh mm-hmm. well, because mm-hmm. because Fruer as a bad guy is still there. His henchwoman, who was sort of an interesting character, yeah. is still there. I think if you would extrapolate from what you found out about his character, you might extrapolate into what the, John Larroquette's character is. Yes, mm-hmm. is he Morgana? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like a carrot situation. And I think, so, was it you saying earlier that this felt a little pratchety? The sort of ser- theory of oh, magic? It was, well, no, it was more sort of just the, the sentient library. Yeah. You know, like that it has mm-hmm. this sort of personality and it kind of does what it wants. And quite frankly, it probably would be okay if an orangutan was the librarian. Uh-huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. If it was, that, right, it was more right that part that, job, felt, right? that felt kind of Ankhmore pork to me. Yeah. Ankhmore pork and also sort of the thing I thought of right away was Magrathea and the Hitchhiker's Guide. Just in terms of like, <laughs> just in terms of this library that just keeps going and going into this, like, and they actually do call it a pocket dimension. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but with all that extra expanding space, I think they'd find places to put all those ancient valuable tools. Yeah, really, that don't involve them like being front and center on velvet pillows where they can easily be snatched by people who break in. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if... That's like, the only visitors they get. <laughs> are, are, are there people breaking in to steal shit? So basically every public library... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll cut that out. Um, <laughs> Although I've heard stories of people trying to walk out of VPL with computers. <laughs> Not just so. VPL, SFU too. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Um, the, the researcher angle is interesting, though. Like, I wonder if a future episode will deal with, like, people out there knowing about some of this stuff and wanting access to it. Like, there's that yeah. great early Doctor Who episode with the guy who has the, like, online network of people who know oh, about yeah, the yeah. Doctor. I mm-hmm. feel like this show is sort of ripe for something like that. Yeah, Mr. Universe kind of cool. Well, they killed off the one person who seemed to be going in that direction. Pretty early. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. sort of led them to look for the other um, to look for potentials. The yeah, let's just call them potentials. <laughs> it's better than lits. <laughs> There's also sort of the interesting thing where by the end of it, the, the library is missing. And so what is mm-hmm. it, you know? Are yeah. you a librarian if you don't have a library? Very philosophical. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. I think that's why... So I guess the, 
we found, well, we looked afterwards and found that Noah Wiley is only in four of the episodes, and perhaps it's sort of like diminishing yeah. role as as the uh, show goes on. Um, so he goes off to find his his library. And meanwhile, the new up-and-coming librarians are going out into the community. Right? <laughs> yeah, so it's like a community-led librarian. Yeah, they're doing outreach. Yeah, yeah totally. Mostly to take magical artifacts and then bring them back. <laughs> and hide them away from the evil regular people. Yes. <laughs> No magic for you. No magic for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole magic angle is really interesting. I mean, it's really not at this point very well fleshed out. And they keep talking about how like they're collecting it so that it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. And it's very clear that the the Brotherhood of the Snake or whatever the hell they were calling themselves, like it's clear that they are the wrong hands. But there've got to be some right hands out there. There've got to be some right hands out there. I mean, not everyone's a lefty. Yeah. <laughs> they also don't really I mean in a lot of things the the bad guys sort of expound on what their evil plan is you know like we will take the magic and then we will rule the world because we'll have mind control or something like magic. whatever like, it is but they're just like we will have the magic and then we will change the world and you're like what, what and it how? seems very anarchic like I got the sense they just kind of wanted to unleash it and yeah. she said something too about there being like the sort of henchwoman as she was thrusting the sword into the stone (laughs) that was that was sexy (laughs) Adina's fanning herself across the table (laughs) she said something about sort of the end of technology and the return of magic I wonder if that'll be some sort of theme in upcoming episodes because those bad guys the Brotherhood of the Snake are still out there right so maybe they do have a more coherent plan and we just haven't heard it yet it was pretty flimsy this also might be giving too much credit to the writing but her like tattoo thing had a quote about the second coming and the apocalypse so no i think that was deliberately chosen yeah yeah Yeah. and that's a pretty i mean as as old poems about the apocalypse go that one's pretty close to the surface like it's a pretty poppy choice but it's 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 sort of the obvious choice for a reason i think Mm. we can give them that much credit But, but she was awfully young to be one of those people who's like I don't like these online catalogs. I liked the card catalogs. I knew where everything was. And everything is so confusing. Okay. Sorry, this is really but- unfair. <laughs> Stop that. Not but- all old people are technophobes. But Matt Frewer's character, when they were looking for the stone, said something about remembering when the Tiber flowed through the like tunnels that they were going through, right? In old oh, Londinium. I figured out something about his character that I don't think you actually have. So he's obviously old, like yeah, older than the ancient one that Matt Frewer already oh, looks I'm like. A, I'm getting a head shake. <laughs> You're in so, the right So ballpark. why can't she You're be old too? You're at the right too, table. Okay? He's Voldemort! <laughs> we solved it! All right! So wait, Shh, so, then don't say so then is he Mordred and then... What is his name? The oh, Larroquette. Larroquette is Merlin instead. Oh, so maybe Merlin is a good figure in this. Because Merlin can sometimes be, you know, interpreted as not that good of a figure. Yeah. We're going to watch the rest of it and just be so off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the people who watched all of them are just laughing their butts off at us right now. Which I, I do like it's the sort of thing that like the more you think about it, the more disappointed you will be because we've already put because we've already put more thought into it than the writers we should just use this sorry guys episode as a jumping off point and then keep writing our own show absolutely (laughs) 
We could film it in Vancouver too. Yeah, right. <laughs> I actually don't know where it was filmed, but yeah. was yeah. it you that said that the reason they were moving the thing to, that or was, was it you? It was my guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> moving it to Oregon because that's more likely to be Vancouver. Yeah, filming in Vancouver can go under the radar. I don't know if they actually do that. Well, just because they won't information. be filming in Washington D.C. Mm. <laughs> clearly. But despite the fact that I can't remember any of their names right now, mm-hmm. I am two beers in. It is Friday night, but. Um, I think I'm still, I'll, I'm in. I'll watch the rest of the season. Well, you did buy it on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> I went legit. Uh, I mean, it's it's fun. It's really fun. I'll wait Even for your the report. parts where you're picking at it because it's really dumb. Yeah. I found fairly fun. I can totally imagine getting a text from you after work and being like, hey, Ali, you home? Yeah. You want to come over and watch the librarians? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dumb fun I really wish that they would have gotten some better writers though like that's just when there's so much good TV on these days it's kind of no excuse to have terrible writers yeah if you're gonna be not taking yourself seriously you need to like commit to not taking yourself seriously and not have these like dumb sanctimonious like I never had a father I never had a son like that's come on yeah for me the actually the like music scoring just added insult to injury yeah. with oh, the bad lines because it was so over the top and so emotional and you know it would be a yeah. pretty minor scene that with like less emotive scoring could have just flown by but instead it got so overwrought and yeah lots and of like, bass lots of corals oh it's the <laughs> yeah. oboe you know he's getting kooky <laughs> <laughs> also the fact that every time it flashed up what city they were in it was in Papyrus. <laughs> or something very similar. Papyrus knockoff. Oh, yeah. God. And then Papyrus. the little like okay, so a neat <laughs> touch is that every episode is the librarians and the, right? So yeah. the first half was librarians and the crown of King Sorcerer Arthur. Stone. And the second one was yeah, the, the sword, sword, stone. Stone. sword in yeah. the stone. Yeah. Um but man, the font that comes up in is pretty terrible too. Oh yeah. And the, it but has the little like glowing terrible, writing. I think. Yeah. Librarians are very into graphic design these days, though. I suppose. <laughs> well, you know, they, they refrain from going, like, gothic or something with the the, the font. Hmm. They went sort of, I don't know. Ridiculous. They tried to go modern, but they got stuck in, like, 1999. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's when I took desktop publishing in high school. <laughs> so, Kat, the thing that I noticed you remarking on, too, was the the architecture of, of it all. Like you notice that they were in Ber- supposed to be in Berlin before the Berlin thing flashed up and whatever. Would you say that like, <laughs> I don't know, the look of the thing fit with what it was supposed to be in general? No. No? <laughs> okay. No, I'm interested. No, tell, us, tell us why. Well, it's just, it was distracting to the point of, of I don't know. It was what, just like, distracting. What was? Um, just the design overall. It was like, they obviously use a lot of CG to create the library space and weren't very interested in putting like a lot of texture into it. Mm. And so you have all these sort of mixtures of things that are meant to be quite old and having been around for a long time, books, um, hardware, bookshelves, all that sort of thing, and then mixed in with things that are sort of selectively newer um, for the, the set that, you know, is obviously yeah. just where they had to, to work with or whatever. And um, so it's like, well, we decided to put these really old, you know, like card catalogs into the wall here. 
and we'll just keep them there. <laughs> but then we're going to like have a really updated staircase attached to them. Hmm. You know, it just it was just like an it was a design that didn't seem to have a lot of thought behind I it. I wonder if like I mean you But it might noticing... be a budget issue. Oh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean you're I noticing that, that the actual details of that consciously and I don't think I noticed any of that, but I think part of why it felt kind of fake to me was probably cuz I was picking up on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the card catalogs that sort of go in a sort of semicircle up the stairs. Um, at one point, he opens a card catalog and you don't see, or wasn't paying attention enough to notice where he was. And I was really excited that maybe they had actually made these things openable. And then, of course, no, it was a separate card catalog, you know, that was, you know, rectilinear and sitting on the floor. And um, and so, yeah, they've sort of thought about putting this hardware on. It's kind of like um, IKEA hacks, oh, you know, where you can always yeah. get these little, like, brass things and little papers in them to make, you know, little brass pulls, and it's basically, yeah, they just put it on the wall. So they have some thought into it, but not either enough for it to, like... Or a very frustrated design department that, like, didn't yeah, have Yeah, they have money. a bit of art deco and a bit of, like, you know, these sort of sensibilities where they've given certain thought, you know, certain amount of thought, but, yeah, maybe budget-wise aren't able to sort of carry it through. I don't know, it's a kind of eclecticism that doesn't harmonize well or make a lot of sense for things belonging in the same space in mm. the same universe kind of thing it doesn't feel part organic. of the reason why people love libraries you know why just sort of regular people love libraries especially old ones like the 42nd street library is that that texture right and that history and it's weird they didn't make more of an effort it's too bad well and old books are very textured you know mm -hmm. they smell um some people love the smell um but there's, yeah, there's a certain sort of je ne sais quoi <laughs> about them. And, um, yeah, it's sort of the same kind of, they've put a little bit of thought into sort of how they're dressing everything, but not a great deal of thought. Um, as John and I were both sort of <laughs> completely driven mad by uh, the, the librarian uh, elbow patches, which were just <laughs> completely insane. Yes, intern John watched it with us. Yeah, they were yellow and not in the right spot. Well, they, he had them on every single jacket. <laughs> and, of course he did. He's a librarian. But the jackets weren't necessarily most of the jackets, not all of the jackets. I don't know, weren't worn enough to necess necessitate it. So they've just been applied, which is fine. But then they're not even on the elbows in many cases. And the reason you put elbow patches on elbows is that they tend to be if you're wearing one tweed jacket for a very long time and say leaning on a desk because you're using actual books and your actual research neither of which we saw happening very much unless and he was unless he was sitting on the floor dying with books in his lap so yeah they would be below his elbow or above his elbow, but not over the elbow <laughs> and yeah very bright colors and i don't but not I don't know, they were just, I think, trying to sort of go with this whole, you know, he has pocket squares, he's got a bow tie and a little flower, and... A points is not even a bow tie, right? It's like a He had a cravat. Yeah, no, he did, a, he did a cravat once, he did an ascot, and then he did an actual, you know, full-length tie. <laughs> yeah, and but he's, he's supposed to have this very eclectic, sort of interesting wardrobe, but it's, again, sort of half thought through. <laughs> It's the not full doctor. <laughs> well, me TNT will get the memo and they'll they'll clean up the set design and then I'll give them a little boost because well, it's picky. it's important, right, to to be able to sort of look at something and believe that it's really happening. And this didn't quite get there. Yeah. Well, 
it's it's one of those sort of intermediate things, you know, that in the same way I said, you know, like if you're going to not take yourself seriously, do not take yourself seriously, like go the whole way, you know, so if you're going to whatever, dress him very flamboyantly in this sort of pseudo, you know, academic <laughs> garb and, you know, and, and go all the way, you know, <laughs> go all the way. Yeah, how much does it really cost to buy an actual tweed jacket? <laughs> All right, so Sam is a Sam is a wood watch again. I'll watch more. I want to see what happens with the with the new little baby librarians. I'd I'd probably get drunk first, but I'd probably watch it. <laughs> it Adina seems like the sort of thing. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. Go, Go ahead. That's sort of necessary to watch with people in order to make fun of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just sad if you you know watch alone. <laughs> Yeah, I probably won't make an effort in my own life to watch it again, but probably if Sam texted me and was like, come over, we're watching The Librarians, I, I might come over. Well, now you guys know I'm going to do it. <laughs> I think anything that, I don't know, I mean... And, Okay, there is such a thing as bad press when it comes to librarianship, right? We've seen yeah. that with news stories about whether or not libraries are going extinct or, you know, job opportunity numbers or whatever, Bed right? bugs. Bed bugs, yeah. But I don't think this counts as bad publicity. I think this it's is, like, you know... It's like ignorant publicity, which mm-hmm. is it's kind of like you, you kind of wonder, is that is that damaging or is that just, like, nothing? But I find it I hard to... get he's either doing as much good or as much harm as something like Indiana Jones does to the field of archaeology. Um, but it, it's, it's probably a watered-down version of that. So I it's serious, Relic Hunter, which I, is what I said earlier. I seriously doubt people would watch this and think this is actually what libraries are like. No, but it yeah. might put the you know librarians and libraries mm. on their radar in sort of a like fun, adventure way. I don't, yes. I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. One of the favorite. It, I could deal with it being less corny and better written. I will say yeah. that. But. Yeah, that's the only part of it that's a little bit embarrassing. I think one of my favorite things I've seen on Tumblr about this is uh, someone put a sign up in their library that said, "Yes, I've seen the show on TNT. Yes, it is based on my life." <laughs> <laughs> that one I liked. But. Well, thanks. thanks Thank ladies. you guys thanks watching for that us. with us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to torture you with that show. <laughs> <laughs> it was amusing. Well, I look forward to your text messages where you call me over to watch the librarians. I totally will. Yeah, I can. I can definitely see that happening. And not just to get my money's worth. I think it'll be really fun to watch some more of it. It's nice to see. I don't know. I don't feel very reflected by that show. But, you know, yeah. it's not the kind of profession like being a doctor or a firefighter or whatever that gets glorified in the media a lot. So yeah. it is kind of fun yeah. <laughs> to see it happen. You know, and I'd rather that. Um, you know, people think that we're these weird kind of freaky superheroes than, you know, school marms or boring or mean or, you know. Yeah. 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 We're out there scrapping and mixing it up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Although I would appreciate it if they actually, you know, shared the artifacts and did some Ranga Nathan. I yeah. still say there might be some stuff with researchers coming up. I'm yeah. interested to see if they do something like that. Right. <laughs> anyway, thank you again to Adina and Kat for yeah. joining us for that. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's a good show. 
So, um, as always, welcome aboard to anyone who's uh, joining us this week. This is yep. not, not a bad one to join us for, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> nice and lighthearted. Fairly representative. And, uh, yeah, our numbers have been on a little bit of an uptick lately. So, if you're just joining us, welcome. And um, we hope you enjoy the back catalog. There's yeah. lots to discover. And please get in touch with us and let us know what you think about the show. Absolutely. And if you're wondering how about you can get in touch with us, that's actually very easy to do. Um, if you head over to our website at sslibrarianship.com, you can get in touch with us specifically or get in touch with the show in general. Um, we are at sslibrarianship on Twitter. Um, and our email, of course, is sslibrarianship at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, if you feel like throwing a few shekels our way to keep our guests in beer and sushi as they uh, help us explore such interesting and vital issues, and, um, or if you feel like buying you know, a button or two and showing your nerd slash librarian cred, you can find all of those options at sslibrarianship.com as well. Perfect. Um, so I guess one of the things we just wanted to touch on is uh, something that's really awesome that's happening on Tumblr today. So we're actually recording this show on March the 6th, um, which I don't know about you, Sam, but my dash was pretty awesome today. Yeah, since last night, actually. I was on the internet pretty late last night, and so yeah. I saw it kind of start. And uh, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone that I follow with the SS Librarianship Tumblr, because um, I've been getting a lot of really interesting and just like gorgeous and fun uh blackout day posts yeah. and quite frankly and i think this is part of the impetus for blackout day seeing some faces on my dash that i wouldn't maybe ordinarily see on mm -hmm. social media or on the internet in general so um i think that was a really really uh neat thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, a cool movement. It's a cool idea. And I'm, I'm so glad so many people on my dash, at least, you mm -hmm. know, actually took advantage of that, took advantage of the hashtag and, and took advantage of the of the idea. Yeah. Um, shout out especially just in terms of the SS librarianship Tumblr to um, Jesse himself and to Dean's Fallen Grace and to our friend I Like Your Stuffs um, who have all been reblogging all sorts of really interesting, profound, silly, mm -hmm. beautiful pictures and commentary to do with Blackout Day. Um, mm -hmm. I think at least from my perspective as a white user of Tumblr and social media, it kind of did its job in that it showed me some corners of the internet I don't ordinarily see. So. Yeah. Same, same here. So it was really, it was really lovely and yeah, I was really, I loved my dash today. Yeah, thank you for I sharing your faces and your comments and your selfies with us. It's yeah. really beautiful. Mm -hmm. I hope more things like that happen in future. Absolutely. I hope it's just, you know, a small step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess with that, all that's left is to thank Jonathan Colton, as always, for the use of our theme song, Glasses, off the album Artificial Heart. I don't know what else I can say. He's an awesome dude, and you should check out his music if you haven't already. Absolutely, yeah. And, and now, now that he has officially sanctioned the use of that song on the podcast, <laughs> I'm he feeling very much, much delighted about, about it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh, we were talking about the Zendrum earlier. I don't know how it came <laughs> up. But uh, if you're just getting into Jonathan Colton, see if you can find some videos of him playing the Zendrum. It's a pretty interesting instrument. <laughs> And I guess uh, that's going to be it for us this week, guys. Um, let's all try to bring a little bit of the magic back into the world this week. And uh, as always, we'll catch you on the proverbial flip side.
laughing about turn down for what? <laughs> Me and this dog found some dank weed. <laughs> oh. oh, Griffin's my favorite. All right. Travis used to be my favorite, but now Griffin is my favorite too.